This is the Ezra Podcast, and we're talking about, this is the MMA edition of the Ezra Podcast, MMA edition for this week. We're talking about Johnny Walker versus Jamal Hill, and Johnny Walker is a guy that was, uh, you know, creative as a striker, maybe explosive. Uh, kind of looks the part, but when he gets to the ring, it kind of it's just not the complete package what it need to be like a high level fighter and consistent fighter and it's just a lot of holes to his game now he's been working with you know different trainers to hopefully get in different camps to hopefully get all this and get the abilities that people see and just bring it out and put it together and put something together that could be you know a complete performance now when he did come out he was on a little run right he was knocking guys out as the level of competition got better and maybe those big motion knockouts that he had you know, weren't going to just show up and he was going to have to really work to get for, the, for his openings. They definitely, the results got a lot worse for him. Now, Jamal Hill is a guy that, um, you know, definitely people see potential in as well. Definitely more traditional style, more conservative, but still makes some mistakes. And just two guys, you know, that make mistakes. I think definitely Johnny Walker makes bigger mistakes than Jamal Hill. I, I don't think that's the question. I don't think you could really question that. Um, and in this fight, you know, it's just going to be, can Johnny Walker kind of control his positioning and not fall apart when he gets pushed back and not fall apart when he has to move around the cage? Those He hasn't really been able to kind of avoid that in fights. Now, he will fight through getting hurt, but he's going to get hurt because not only does he have glass, like not saying that he has a glass shot, but it's because he's unbalanced when he gets hit. His legs aren't underneath him so when you're on balance you get hit so it does a lot more damage because nothing's there to eat that absorption right you're just taking it all on the chin basically and jamal hill's kind of guy's gonna have to look to push you back with his strikes it's definitely his punches you got a self versus orthodox so that's also gonna make awkward for johnny walker but maybe that'll make more openings for his right kick right maybe you have more body shots more of an angle for him or his head kick and maybe he could get a little more explosive because he's gonna need to you know you can try to compact everything he does but you kind of need to let him be wild as well too because it's kind of as part of his game if he doesn't do what's a part of his game then he's, you know, he's just a, he's just a lesser fighter than what he could have been right because kind of some point he's got to let him be him so that's the you know that's the whole thing with like the trainer and the camp and all that it's like well, are they gonna Figure out the perfect recipe for let Johnny Walker capitalize on what he's best at. I still think Jamal Hill, with his style of, you know, and just more, you know, honestly, more basic shots. He relies a lot on punches. When you rely on punches and you're comfortable with what you throw, right? And you have, you're comfortable in the combos you have, you don't have to really overthink it. It's just very effective to me. Like, it's just way more effective. It's, it's easier to find, it's easier to place, and I just think that if he can push Johnny Walker back and let Johnny Walker get in balance and catch him with a big overhand left or his uh, step-in right hook, I think he's going to rock Johnny Walker a few times. I think that Johnny Walker is dangerous when he gets hurt. He does not have to kind of quit and kind of could you know be even more dangerous, especially if you're looking to get the finish and maybe take some chances. I think Jamal Hills has got to stay patient in this fight. He's got to look to apply forward pressure, keep moving forward, don't let Johnny Walker get set because when he gets set, he gets dangerous. When he can build up the energy in his feet while he's sitting there and kind of take his time to get a um, you know, a lot of movement into a forward attack. You don't want that. You want to keep pushing him back. Let him let his un uh tamed legs go all over the place, get wild and put shots on him. I'm gonna take Jamal Hill in this fight. I think it's gonna be a second round stoppage. I think he's gonna land big shots. 
And I think that, um, I think Johnny Walker might see his walking paper soon. You know, lightweight division is super thin, so they might keep him just because the, you know, I think people are fans of him because they have an idea of what he could be. I don't think he's ever going to live up to that, but let's see. You know what I mean? It's it could be a very interesting fight, and hopefully Johnny Walker has something. You know, it does figure out a little more balance, a little more comfortable moving back, doesn't get panicked, he doesn't lose himself. Uh, you know, the, the counter for Walker is he needs to push Hale back, right? He needs to get forward momentum. He needs to use his long limbs, and like I said, he's himself also start kicking the legs in the body and make Jamal Hill not really that confident coming forward. Be able to control the center of the ring. That way your attacks was maybe wild or whatever. They're coming forward. You have forward momentum. You're not moving backwards and trying to place your feet and then go with a forward attack. Next fight we're going to talk about is Kyle Dawkins versus Jamie Pickett and uh, two southpaws going at it. And Kyle Dawkins who stand up, you know, he's long. He's kind of real straight up, kind of real basic, but his shots are straight. They, they, um, He's calm with them. He's loose with them. Doesn't overpower them. And he's kind of got the, you know, he's confident with his shots, but he's not afraid to go on the ground. He's definitely not afraid to go on his back. So it allows him to be better with his shots, right? It allows him to be more comfortable standing up. You got a guy like Jamie Pickett who, you know, if sometimes in MMA it's hard uh, to, you know, really like break down, like what can this guy do positive? Because I mean, honestly, Jamie Pickett, I don't really know what his like, the strength that he's gonna rely on. I know that he's explosive. I know that he has, you know, looks to have like some strength, some power in the shots. And if he can get, you know, Kyle Dawkins early, I think that would be his best spot, right? The best spot would be jump on him early and don't let Dawkins get settled in on this fight or get him calm or let the your energy dip into where it's more of a thinking man stuff, right? You can't, you can't get the shots off as fast as you want. And then it kind of fits right into Kyle Dawkins wants to do. Now, if you're gonna start off early and explode on him and, you know, make him, speed up faster than he wants to do, that'll create openings for you, but you also can't go to the ground. And if you do get to the top, make sure you have control and get back up because Kyle Dawkins is very aggressive from the ground. He's very aggressive at the bottom. He'll lock a triangle lock on you, even when he's in the guard, to keep you on the ground because he wants to play that game. This is where he feels probably the most confident in the fight. So apply the pressure on him, but don't allow him to get comfortable and lock you to the ground and keep you on the ground. I think Jane Pickett... It's going to have a hard time in this fight, and I think that Kyle Douglas is going to show good stuff standing. Now, I said Pig has got to start fast early. I think he might be able to put Douglas in some kind of trouble, but I think this fight eventually leads to the ground. I think Pickett is not the best at distributing his weight on the top. He's not the best at control, and I think that Douglas is going to start moving his legs up, lock him in with the body lock. Maybe, you know, I see that Pickett's kind of susceptible to triangle, kind of susceptible to a lot of things. I think Douglas is going to look to lock his wrist. Uh, maybe look triangle or just look to work his ground game and just capitalize on Jane Pickett's mistake. Pickett needs to avoid the ground at all, at all costs, but he needs to be aggressive. It's you know it's tough. You gotta work, you know that's the balancing act in this fight. I'm gonna take Dawkins by submission in this fight. I, I can't see this fight going to the ground and him not pulling out a submission. Just from what I see from Pickett's ground game, it's 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 not the best. It's not the most balanced on top. Now, like I said, Pickett starts up. The counter would be Pickett starts off fast and early and really pressures the stand-up and makes uh, Dawkins swing when he doesn't want to or just makes him go when he doesn't want to and landing something big early and putting that early pressure on him, right, when he wants it. Now, if the fight drags on, it's definitely going to favor Dawkins, but Pickett needs to choose when he's explode because he's going to have to explode. He might have to get a little wild and take some chances. But he needs to make sure that if he does take those chances, he's able to avoid the ground, 
right? You can, the more you can avoid the ground, maybe Doc is, gets a little more concerned in the stand-up fight that he doesn't have that element in there, and that's definitely going to favor uh, Jamie Pickett. If it stays standing and he can, and Dawkins feels like it's a ground game, he's unable to get to the ground game. If he feels like he can get there, he'd be more confident standing up. So I'm going to pick Dawkins' fight submission. I'll say that happens around the second round. So news and notes, let's talk about uh, Dariush, who is hurt, um, and that pulls him out of the Makachev fight, which is very disappointing, especially for a free fight, free a free card. So now in comes Bobby Green, and Bobby Green is, you know, the people are high on him because he just had a great performance on the on the undercard of the Izzy fight, and uh, he showed a good a good performance with his hands, especially. But this is a, a mismatch. I understand that you're bringing in the the guy that you know was probably the most impressive on that night, but you have to look at who he was fighting and the the outcomes that that guy just had in his recent performances. It wasn't Makachev, and Makachev is is not gonna just you know walk into shots and not be able to uh, make changes. And Makachev is very good standing up, and defensively he's pretty good standing up. He's very patient, so I think the Makachev, first of all, the stand up portion I don't think is gonna be one sided or favoring Bob Green. I think that he can honestly lose the stand up portion of this fight, and then Makachev is gonna take him to the ground when he when he pleases. So I think that. Which was going to be an interesting fight between Makachev and Darius, which I would have favored Makachev. I think this fight is, even though the fans have got a fan favorite in there, I think it's a one-sided matchup. And I think Makachev will get him to the ground eventually and, uh, you know, land shots, but eventually land a submission to end this fight. We've got uh, Dustin Poirier and Nate Diaz, which this fight is kind of lingering too long now. It's like, are you going to do it or not? And I thought that they were going to try to put this on the Masvidal Covington card, obviously, that's not going to happen now. The fight's uh, coming up in a month. Poirier and Nate Diaz, to me, is going to settle a lot of debates, right? Especially, like, on uh, MMA Twitter, that, you know, Nate Diaz is kind of overrated and trash. And maybe he's overrated. Maybe there's too much hype and he's more famous than he is actually a good fighter. But I think he is a high-level fighter. And you have to think that the, you know, the lack of success in his career that we've seen lately is because he's fighting in a weight division that he doesn't belong in. And Dustin Poirier, well, we have seen good success from him, but you have to remember that he was also in a, a drag-out uh, drag war with, um, oh my goodness, I'm blanking. Um, he was in a drag-out war with, no, let's go look it up. Dustin Poirier. It's like, you know, I understand that we're high on him, but is it just because he beat Connor, who might be shy, right? Um... Is that, is that why we're so high on him? And, you know, like when people were just rewarding him the title. Um, Dan Hooker. I'm sorry I blanked on that. And I was trying to take that for the Makachev fight as well when I was talking about Makachev. But, yeah, Dan Hooker, right, he wins a war with him. Now, Dan Hooker was just destroyed by Makachev. He's, he's, Dan Hooker was destroyed by Chandler, right? You have to remember that. Uh, Dustin Poirier, uh, before that, gets smoked by Khabib, not even close, right? Max Holloway, he's, old, he's old, way bigger than Max. And Max is kind of like... Winning the first part of it wins a lot of boxing exchanges. Just the power is too much. Then he has, uh, you know, goes to war with Eddie Alvarez. He goes to war with Justin Gaethje. No, not saying those aren't those aren't good wins. Those are very good wins. Beats Anthony Pettis, um, Jim Miller. But to me, what I think put Dustin Poirier suddenly like at that level, and of course the fame is going to do that with beating Conor McGregor and name like that. But they put him like at this level where he's like a world championship level, and it's just. 
truly, he's he, he's never been that. He's just never been that. He's never been a top guy, like a lightweight. But we try to do that to him. And Charles Oliveira beats him. Now, was it a good fight? He was entertaining. Highly A very good fight. And then Nick Desimpore does do good things. He's very good offensively with his punches. Defensively, he has a lot of holes. And he loses balance. And his legs aren't great. And I think that, you know, him and Nate at 155, I would favor Nate. And I think Nate's a better boxer. Now, I know that Nate gets hit. And people say, like, you know, he doesn't punch correctly. And all, all, all these little things. It's effectiveness. You got to look at effectiveness. And Nate is more effective to me in striking. And I think that they have similar styles as far as, like, they want to be in the same exact spot. They're looking at trade. I think Nate's going to win that portion of the fight. I hope this fight gets made. I hope this is Nate's last fight in the UFC. And I think it's a, a really fun fight, a really entertaining matchup. And I'm, I'm curious where they, um, you know, just to settle some disputes they're having on, you know, MMA Twitter. So I really just want to be right, basically, is what I'm saying. I want to be right. Nate Diaz is a better boxer than Dustin Poirier. I really believe that. I do want to talk about like UFC cards and you know, there I did see a comment like saying that you know UFC puts their cards out um, and lets you know what's going to happen so you can prepare for it. Not not really. You know UFC cards have kind of been going coming together a lot slower than before. Uh, I remember you could like see before like three or four UFC cards ahead. You can't really do that anymore. Maybe you can see a main event, but you don't know the undercard. You see a little bit of the undercard, but you don't know the main event. Um, I'm just curious about that, and I'm curious how that uh, curious how that affects when you know not really able to talk about these future fights coming up. Bellator is going to have uh, AJ McKee come back, which I was wondering for a while. And I understood he needed a rest because he just did the tournament, a lot of tough competition. He's going to fight Pitbull again, uh, number two. And I, to me, I really in maybe this doesn't make sense most, but I just think this is kind of dropping the ball with AJ McKee. And I understand, you know, Pitbull had a good run and. To not get, he deserves a rematch, I'm sure. But to me, AJ McKee is your guy for Bellator, right? He's your guy. And Pitbull, who's a credible champion, and most likely will win his way back to AJ McKee if you make him go that route. But how would I make him go that route, right? I would, if you have a, you have a lot of shows, you need main events. I think Pitbull's fine main event, and I think AJ McKee's a great main event. And I think that he has some credible names that you could put in there with AJ McKee. Let him really expo- uh, get a little more exposure and build this main, build this rematch up again. But I think to go right back to it, to me, it just seems kind of like meh to me. I would have liked a fresh matchup for AJ McKee. I don't know why. I'm usually for all four rematches. It seems like a built-in storyline. But just the way that one ended, it seemed like a picture perfect moment for AJ McKee. And just kind of let him go again and then build uh, Pitbull, get him some decent performances. Or if someone beats him, they're the new challenger. I would have liked that. But they didn't. They're going to go rematch. So should have seen it. I think AJ McKee might be the best 145-er in the um, NMA. I think he's definitely the best one in Bellator. And let's see if that, you know, that head kick wasn't, um, wasn't you know, what happens if he doesn't land that early, right? Was the, What does a prolonged version of this fight look like? We're going to see. I think AJ McKee's going to win, but it's not my official pick because I need to break it down. Thank you guys for listening. This has been the S-Raw Podcast MMA Edition.